on this episode of Why Watch That. This is not a mother you want to live with. Okay. And he says, look, I'm living with her because she's the strictest person I know. And he's journaling everything that he's doing to make sure he keeps track of time. But does that succeed? No. (laughs) Don't sleep on the Americans again, Emmys. Okay, don't sleep on them again. No, it's a, it's a perfect example, and it's great for any actor who wants to work with, with great material. If you have somebody who understands that there is a, there's a driving force, you're going to shine, and they're going to get their due. I'm just going to say that. Why Watch That is a podcast featuring the critic and referee who go head-to-head on a quest to discover the best movies and TV shows Hollywood has to offer. Expect the unexpected from the critic. Well, nothing gets past the ref. We do all the work. So you don't have to. Welcome Welcome to to Why Watch Watch That. Presented by Dynamic Network. The Why Watch That Talk. You know what? We have not talked about television in a while. Not. <laughs> we want to. Uh, whoa, whoa! I just bumped into my microphone, folks. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna jump right in and talk about um, TV. You know, it's a little slow in TV land in the summer. Thankfully, because we know it's gonna rear its head coming this fall. But. We wanted to start with um, a show that's ended, um, not the series, but the season, and that's Stars, Starses, <laughs> Stars <laughs> Outlander, and this is the third season. Second. Okay, out, the second, sorry, the second season of Outlander. Yeah, matter of fact, the first season left you kind of in shock. Oh. Now we're we're in France somewhere or something. With I don't know, we're everywhere. She's she she needs to make some decisions. Well, the first season ended beyond shock. I'll have to say that this <laughs> season, the season certainly didn't bring us any shocks like that one. No, but no. Uh, but we felt the what is the word the reverberations of that throughout this second season. Yes, they were in Paris. They did come back the UK and there's this whole thing with the the Jacobite Risings during the second season where Claire is trying to change history because she knows what's going to happen happen to her now second husband concurrently Uh, Jamie she knows they're going to lose she knows that there's death coming so she tells him he knows and they concoct this plan to try to change history do we think it works? No. It never <laughs> now, the works. other the other thing is she's preggers with his child. Her second husband's child. That's right. Her second concurrent husband. I like to say it that way because she's got two husbands in two different time periods, 200 years apart. And ref in this season, she comes back to their, her present time, which is the late 40s. Preggers. Yes. Whose baby is it? Exactly. So her her first husband, first concurrent husband's going, uh, what? So there's this whole thing that happens. And they shuttle forward to when her child has grown up. And some uh, truths have to be unearthed. And that's where this season ended with that, where we get to see this whole uh, struggle between her and the child. Because it's this. You've been lying. You've been lying. Now, Outlander is always inconsistent. It's always a little too slow, but 
what I, I kind of appreciate it for that because it's, it's almost like you're in a different world. You know, everything is elongated. And I do like their commitment to the story. Plus, it's a romance, it's science fiction, it's a war story. It's like all kinds of a drama, a thriller. I don't know yeah. what it means. Yeah, it doesn't know either. And yeah. guess what? People keep coming back. Uh, that final episode, I think, it encapsulates the whole series to me. It's highs and it's lows. And I think what we're going to see in the next season is I don't know what we're going to see, okay? I don't know what's going to happen. All right, moving on to Suits USA. It's in full swing. Or somebody's in jail, out of jail. Oh, Lord, what is going on with Suits? You know, at the end of the last season, we know that my boy was locked up. I mean, they caught him. Okay, so after this whole thing, and that's uh, the character played by Patrick J. Adams, Mike Ross, who is the fake lawyer that caught him. We're now seeing at the beginning of this new season the aftermath of that because Harvey, his boy that who hired him, and uh, his whole partnership of Pearson, Spectre, Lit, <laughs> the three of them are like, what are we going to do? They have people coming after them, trying to sue them. They have employees leaving, you know, quitting, trying to get them as well. So, of course, in this show, they're going to concoct a plot to stop this. But the question is, Mr. Mike is in prison, and is he safe? He's tr too trusting, and he's going to find out that that's going to come back to bite him in the you-know-what. Uh-oh. That suits. I mean, if you liked it from the beginning, you'll like it now. It is what it is. It's a nice palate cleanser for me. And I just like watching them people. Great. The A word on Sundance TV. Yep. This is a new um, new show out from across the pond. Across the um, pond. And uh, it's about autism. It is, yes. Um, so it actually deals with um, a family and how they cope with the revelation that their young son has some sort of autism. Uh, so you go from denial to acceptance or some sort of acceptance in the first episode. But what this reminded me of, and it's so weird, it reminded me of Parenthood on ABC. Oh, sorry, NBC. I knew you were going to say that. I, for some reason, I knew you were going to say that. It, where you get a family, different parts of the family, there are different stories told, because that's not the only part. Because what happens is, the so there's a husband and wife, of course, and this is their son. The wife's father is Cray, played by Christopher Eccleston, so we know he's not right in the head. And he's the kind of grandfather who comes in and wants to do it his way. I know it's your kid, so what? You know, no. he takes the kid to the doctor himself to get things figured out. And they're oh, like, no, you do that again? You know, you're crazy. So we have that. We also have her brother, Christopher Eccleston's son. He's married to a woman who's a cheater. And she's a doctor. So she knows what's going on with the son. But they don't want to listen to her. And, of course, they throw in her face that she cheated. And then, of course, the husband is this henpecked guy who just does whatever she says. You know, he forgives her, etc. So it's that kind of thing going on here. Uh, you're either going to like it or you're not. Is it groundbreaking necessarily? No. I did enjoy the first episode for what it was. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, it, again, parenthood or, or brothers and sisters, that kind of thing. So if you like those kinds of shows, check it out. Netflix has Stranger Things that's been released out. You can check that out, or maybe not. Oh, look, let me tell you. Now, wait a minute. <laughs> it's 
So, of course, all uh, eight episodes are now available. This is set in 1983 in a small town in Indiana. Hawkins, Indiana. Very Indiana, Indiana. (laughs) (laughs) So, in Hawkins, there is this laboratory run by the Department of Energy. And there's some strange things going on in Hawkins. So, what happens is a little girl goes missing. She shows up at a diner. She has a buzz cut. Looks like a little boy. Mm -hmm. These people from the lab are after her. She has some sort of powers. We're not sure of what it is. Also, a little boy goes missing. And he has long hair? (laughs) Yeah, well, he's a normal kid. He's not from the lab. He's from Hawkins. He goes missing. He has three friends. So it's the four of them. They love Dungeons and Dragons. You know, they're, they're in the AV club. They're in middle school. You know, they get bullied. That whole thing. He goes missing. His friends, they are on the search for him. Okay? They, something's going on. His mother is played by Winona Ryder. Yes. Okay, so Winona Ryder is like, no, no, no. Something's going on. I've got to get my son. I've got to get my son. I don't care what all of you say. We also have the town sheriff, let's call him, who's played by David Harbour. Uh, if you know House of Cards, if you know the newsroom, he was in those shows. And he had something that went on in his past that links into this and makes it personal because this snaps him out of his ennui. So he doesn't know what's going on there as well. So all of these different storylines intersect. And there's something going on with this girl that's missing from the lab, with this boy that's gone missing from the town, his friends, the sheriff, Winona Ryder, and everybody else. Because, of course, Winona Ryder has an older son. Uh, The four boys, they have older siblings. Uh, One of them does, and so on. So it's who or what is causing these disappearances? Because that's not the only ones. Now, I can't give everything away, but that's it. Now, let me put this picture in your head, everyone. This is what this show is like. It's a mix of Goonies, Stand By Me, Super 8, and Poltergeist. Yes. Now, take a breath and chew on that one. It's it's like Spielberg met uh, Stephen King. All right. So I... I really enjoyed it. I binged it. Is it perfect? I don't care. It doesn't need to be. I thought it was thoroughly entertaining. It, it was a great mashup of different genres. And if you love the 80s, this, I mean, it takes you back to the 80s like none other. Thank you. Excellent. Well, talking talk about something strange. Let's talk about Mr. Robot is back for its second season on USA. Um, we were left with some questions with this guy because is reality reality? <laughs> well, yeah. Is, is he in reality? Is, he, is, is this all being made up in his mind? Is he crazy? Crazy? Is mm. he not crazy? Mm. Um, is he being watched? Mm. Or are these people fictional? We, we really want to know. Well, we got some clues at the end of the first season, um, you know, whether he's hallucinating or not, and who he's hallucinating or not. So at the beginning of the second season, uh, we see him coming to grips with this and trying to maintain control. of his universe, okay? He doesn't want to be swayed by one particular voice in his head. So we see him institute protocols. He moves back in with his mother, who's, I don't, uh, this is not a mother you want to live with, okay? And he says, look, I'm living with her because she's the strictest person I know. And he's journaling everything that he's doing to make sure he keeps track of time. 
but does that succeed? No. <laughs> so we're going to see him struggle with that. And is he going to go back to try to take down the corporate conglomerate known as E-Corp yep. or not? His sister, we know she's a sister now, is continuing that with or without him. So we, we can see that strain. And you know what? Uh, just to end it here, uh, after a, a while away from Mr. Robot, I was like, is it going to hold the same power for me? Am I really in the mood for this again? I started watching that again. And I was like, okay, you got me. <laughs> yeah, right back into his crazy world. Well, listen, talk about crazy world. Television is throwing you as much as it can this summer, trying to keep you out of that warm movie theater. And <laughs> Maybe it's doing it. Maybe it's not. You certainly can check out these shows if you have the time. And if you don't, maybe you want to make some. Did you know? Part one. Critic! <laughs> I'm going to let you do this alone. Go ahead. Ah, <laughs> it's my turn! Oh! I finally, I finally have a did you know, and I'm excited about it. Are you ready? Yeah, go ahead. Lay it on me. Get ready! Get ready! <laughs> what former Star Trek film star... Oh, okay. All right, okay. ...had no clue <laughs> what his role was until a week after he, ex- he, he was cast. <laughs> this man had no idea what his role was until a week after he was cast. I'm thinking, wait a minute, uh, just give me a, a minute here. I'm having a role! Oh, that doesn't help me! Just give me a, <laughs> wait a minute, give me a moment. <laughs> this episode of Why Watch That is brought to you by Audible.com, the leading provider of spoken audio entertainment, providing digital versions of audiobooks for download to your computer, phone, and MP3 player. Sign up today to try Audible free for 30 days. And get a free audiobook of your choice. Visit audibletrial.com forward slash why watch that to get your free audiobook now and to support our show. Did you know? Part two. All right. Um, look, you in this pivotal role, that didn't help me. Well, you said, you said his, so it's a man, so I know Zoe's out. Zoe's out. And you said former. Yes, so he's not in this uh, upcoming Star Trek. So that leaves... Oh, he may be. He may be, actually. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm going with the first thing you said. I'm going with the first thing. Uh-uh. So it's either Carl Urban or Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, there's others. Oh, you know what? No, not Carl Urban. I meant Eric Bana. Eric Bana and Benedict Cumberbatch. You said film star too, so I'm leaving out Leonard Nimoy. See, see, I, now the puzzle here. <laughs> now, I think it'd be Banner though. I think he'd be more likely not to know. Wrong. <laughs> so it's Cumberbatch. It's Cumberbatch. Oh, okay. please. The reason why we're talking about. I got that one then. I got that one then. No, no, no. <laughs> Benedict Cumberbatch is turning. He's turned forty today. Happy birthday, Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh. But also, we do have to dethrone him as the Star Trek film bad guy because Idris is taking his place. Right. (laughs) No, the story is he had no... First of all, he did a screen test with his iPhone in his best friend's kitchen. Okay. 
He had no idea that he was being cast as the bad guy of Star Trek Into the Darkness, Khan, the ultimate bad guy. Yeah. He had no idea that he was Khan. Um, A representative came to his house, flew over to London, came to his house with the script chained, handcuffed to his his arm. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) It was top, top, top secret. But anyway, we thought we'd celebrate not only Star Trek coming out, but also Benedict Cumberbatch turning 40. Well, that's kind of Irish, but happy birthday, Benedict. Back to Why Watch That. Why Watch That Insider. You know, this isn't our first crack at the podcast. Everybody knows that this is... Really? Uh, this year has been a reboot. It's 2.0 of what we've been doing for the last uh, three years, basically. Yeah. And we started off the reboot talking about a Hitchcock antidote. Yeah. To keep him on the straight and narrow as far <laughs> as storytelling goes. And that's... We, we talked about the MacGuffin. Yes. And we even talked about it a little bit to um, and, um, Adam Agoyan, who we interviewed, the great director there of Remember. Um, but what we talked about was that the use of the MacGuffin, and we'll review it just very, very, very briefly, really keeps the story of a television show, of a film, any kind of story, a novel, a yeah. short story. It keeps a driving force of the narration, the narrative force. It keeps the story streamlined and going toward something. So when you have shows like Game of Thrones or you have Lord of the Rings, or even we were talking a little bit earlier about Outlander, when it ha- when you have tons of storylines and lots of subplots and even sub-subplots, and you can get lost in it, a good storyteller will always revert any scene, any plot line, to go back to the narrative force to get you to focus on a specific journey of either the character or the story's journey, an overall arc. We want to review, we want to just check in a little bit to see how the MacGuffin is doing because you said, Critic, and I'm going to hold you to it. Uh Uh-oh. Something that you'll you'll be using as you watch television, as you read, as you also watch film. Yeah, and uh, just so everyone knows, technically the MacGuffin is an object that that houses that narrative force. Um, but we're expanding that definition. Uh, also, I'm going to expand it even more. Ooh, I like expansion. So we're talking about the narrative force or the driving force of, of a story. And recently I've been binging on uh, The Americans. I'm finally, you finally got me there. I'm on season two. What show is that again? I'm sorry, I missed it. The Americans. The Americans. Oh. The Americans, which got nominated for an Emmy coming up this year. Um, It's being recognized, not only the the show, but the two main characters, along with some other characters. And, you know, we've seen those characters guest star and, you know, they get nominated. But this is the real first time that it's, the overall show and its main components have been recognized. And I will tell you, it's a great example of having this expanded MacGuffin that we're talking about. Mm-hmm. A single driving force that, even though the, the, the TV show has tons of plot and subplot, <laughs> I mean, it really does. What you never forget is the links that people will do for their country. Mm-hmm. You could say, oh, it's about betrayal. No, 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 no. Oh, it's about Russian spies. No, 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 no. Everything that the Americans revolves around is the links that people will go through for their country. Yeah. 
And you have that with, with the two the Russian spies. That's right. You have your narrative force, but then you also have to have obstacles. Yeah. And one main thing, it's like counterweights on this show. It's country versus family. It's yeah. constantly the struggle between the two. Can you have it both ways? I don't know. I'm going to tell you this, though. Don't sleep on the Americans again, Emmys. Okay, don't sleep on them again. No, it's a, it's a perfect example, and it's great for any actor who wants to work with, with great material. If you have somebody who understands that there is a, there's a driving force, you're going to shine, and they're going to get their due. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, and you know, what I'm also thinking of now is just scene to scene. And I mentioned this with uh, the stakes, raising the stakes. You'll hear this in acting classes. And writing, you have to do that as well. Yeah, you do. Yeah, in each scene, what's the force here? What are the stakes and are they high enough? Is it adding to the overall arc of the show or movie, I should say? So, I, you know what? I do want to go to a movie just because I want to. Oh, okay. Great. Let's do it. Captain Fantastic because. Oh, yeah. yeah still yeah, right yeah. now, I'm still thinking about this. Viggo Mortensen is going around trying to promote it. Please check it out if you have it. We, listen right. to our review. Yeah. Listen to that, sucker. So, uh, <laughs> Captain Fantastic. And you, look at that. In each scene. So, we know yeah. overall what the arc is. This is a man who wants his kids to be raised a particular way. He does not want them corrupted by mainstream American culture. But if you look at each scene, there are stakes to each scene. There's stakes to them reading those books. You gotta get this information in. There's stakes to them training in the woods. There are stakes when they show up at that funeral. There are stakes when you see Frank Langella and my girl Anne Dowd. So it's throughout the film, scene to scene, if we have that, then it makes it much easier to sell the overall narrative force. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I saw Captain Fantastic with you, and 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 those stake. The reason why is that he made an agreement with his wife. It's more than just I don't want this. Is this is our family? Yes. And I we have control of our family, and and right now he has to hold those stakes because his wife is gone. So right. it's it's really interesting. I have to bring up Rectify. You know that Rectify to me is one of the great shows that's on television right now and for some reason the Emmys, the Hollywood Foreign Press, just people in general are forgetting about this show. They don't know it. They're just not acknowledging it. They don't even know it exists. (laughs) Now you've heard us talk about it. We're not going to give you know it's about a guy uh, who's been in prison for about 19 years and he's let loose and is he guilty, is he not. That's not even the whole point. The point is Every season, every episode, every scene, it's always about whether he's guilty or not. Yeah. Can you trust him or not? Can you trust this man? Did he do it? Is he a monster or is he a martyr? Yeah. And I love that. I, To me, I will watch just to figure that out. And to me, that, that's great yeah. for an actor. It, you know, because most likely he doesn't know. The actor doesn't know. Even the director directing doesn't know. So you're always pushing towards this line. Can you trust him? Is he justified or is he not? Yeah. Now that is a great narrative force. And you know, really, it, it's really about safety. Everybody is dealing with that in some way in that show. Even he is. So I love it. And you know what? I also want to go to Outcast. I brought it up earlier in the podcast. I talked about just that first episode because I felt that in the first episode. It was about something. There was there were stakes. 
And after that, I'm sorry to say that I don't know why I'm watching the show. I don't know. And of course, this is about demonic possession. I don't know, even know if that's- what, what is that on? What's Outcast on? Cinemax. Cinemax, there we go. Yeah. I don't even know if demonic possession is necessarily a bad thing watching this show sometimes. Yeah, I'm like, is, is this an immortal danger or not? Is this something that needs to happen that we need to get rid of or not? So this is what we're talking about. Because this is how sometimes if you're watching a show, you go, I liked it, and then what happened? What happened? Yeah. They lose that. Like, you have to up the stakes. This is a horror show. Yeah, if there, if there are stakes involved, it's, whether they are stakes. Like a, yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> vampire stakes or whatever. Um, we have to talk about something like Happy Valley. Yeah. Happy Valley on Netflix, it's a cross-the-pond kind of thing. We've talked about it. It's season two. You can binge it and watch it. It's definitely worth a watch if you can stomach it. But there's never a time, ever a time, when you are confused about the drive of the narrative force. Yeah. And can I just say, since you're bringing this up, because this is what, what's popping in my head right now. It's not just the writer that needs to be clear. No, no, no. no. You're right. You're right. Yeah. And, and of course, the director. Yeah. The actors. The cast. See, when you go with something like Happy Valley, the writing's great, the directing's great, but that cast, they are absolutely clear on what the stakes are. They are constantly going for it. It is never a question mark. And what it does is it drags you as an audience member right along with them. I mean, you need to come up for air yourself. I need a, a drink of water. <laughs> After watching Happy Valley. Okay? And this is what we're talking about. And then if you look at uh, because in the limited series for the Emmys, they nominated the night manager, critically acclaimed. Uh, people loved it. Tom Hiddleston was in it and House, MD. Uh, yeah. so, uh, but for me watching, I was like, it's okay because the force wasn't with us. Not all the way. It didn't drag me along. It was beautifully shot. I like the act. Maybe it did drag you along. <laughs> Dragon critic along. There he goes. Oh boy. But I think back to uh, the HBO miniseries Show Me a Hero with my boy Oscar Isaac. And this is with multiple narratives like we're talking about. But you understand that this is about people's lives because that's a political show. And it's a show about race. It's a show about class. And sometimes what's great to end here is it echoes to the present. It's not just about the time period it's set in because that's from, from the past. But you also, because the force is there, you think about what's going on now, and it's immediate. Yeah. You know what, listeners? It's This was sort of our uh, little rant. <laughs> it, it was. I mean, some of the stuff you understand, some of the stuff you won't. That's fine. But the overall message is that in order for us to invest our time, but also not just the time, but and to invest our creative being. Yes. Our creativity, our, our, the journey of a storyteller is to tell the story so the story can be told, so it can be understood, so that we can all join in that journey. In order for us to invest in that, we have to have clear stakes. We have to have a clear force. We have to have a clear plot for that to be clear. It always has to come back to the force. It has to come back to the drive. It has to come back to the MacGuffin. <laughs> and now the pick of the week the critic is coming at us again with a pick of the week 
And this is a good one. We're talking about Netflix's Daredevil. That's right, Marvel Television on Netflix, Daredevil, created by Drew Goddard and starring Charlie Cox as Daredevil. Come on, take it away, because it's good stuff. Yeah, now we've talked about this before, but we wanted to bring this sucker back again. Come on, bring it. Let me tell you something. What I really love about Daredevil, among all the things that they do well and some things they don't do so well, Uh what I love is the development of the villains. Ooh, you're so dark. I love it. Look, we started off with Fisk, you know, the kingpin, played by... Who's that? Played by Vincent D'Onofrio. Like, look, watch out for him, okay? And then you get in the second season, you get the Punisher. Now, with him, Mm. is he a villain or isn't he? Played by John Bernthal, who gets his own standalone series now, Rep. As a result. Of course he does. Oh, you better believe it. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So, uh, you know, you get him, you get Elektra as well. Ooh. Who needed a reboot. And boy, oh boy, did she get it. Oh, good. Because what happens in the second season is that Daredevil is start, starts to be questioned from both sides. Mm. You are a vigilante. You need to stop from the police, from some of his friends. On the other side, the villains are going, you're a punk. Ooh, ooh. You know, the Punisher especially. You're not going far enough. Mm. So he gets hemmed in, and that changes the titular character in ways that I just appreciate it. So while this is not a perfect show at all times, you can binge it, which helps. Okay. The, the fight sequences are some of the most inventive, wonderful stuff you could see on television. <laughs> on television? For real? Yep. Mm. Thanks for listening. For additional resources, visit whywatchthat.com. Good idea, and we'd love to hear from you. So go ahead and leave comments, feedback, and you can rate us on iTunes. We'll see you next week. See you.